All right, Justin. A through Z. Z. Z, holy fuck. Um, Z, 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 Z. Um, did you know that the only, uh, that the only member of ZZ Top without a beard is named Frank Beard? Is that I true? That is true. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. I did not know that. I was just That's trying ironic. to come up with something letter related. I'd, I'm not planning on doing that for every letter. I was just trying to because I did last week. So, you know, that's a little bit of trivia for everybody. Nice. Um, something else I found out this week. There are uh, two Mario uh, parody porns that were made. What? And apparently Nintendo bought the rights to them. Just that they would never be shown. Wow. Interesting. Crazy. Um, what else is some news? Oh, yeah. Uh, so if anybody didn't know, there's a new Resident Evil 4 remake coming out. You know, the best mm, one because it's got Leon S. Kennedy in it. Uh. But apparently GameStop was supposed to have a collector's edition. That has like a statue and a bunch of shit in it and blah, blah, blah. It was like $250. Well, apparently like today or yesterday or sometime very recently, they canceled every single pre-order that was made in a store. And told the, huh. the, the told the store employees that they have to call them and tell them. Not really? any of the online ones. And they were the only ones. This was a GameStop exclusive. So they just kind of kicked it away. Wow. Um, yeah. Hmm. A lot of people aren't happy about that. Understandably so. Damn. Um, what else though? Oh, Justin. So what are your thoughts on this new Ninja Turtles trailer that just dropped? Oh yeah. Um, it looks fun, man. Um, I mean, my, my impressions of the artwork were good. I thought it looked kind of cool. It looked a little different from what I'm used to, but the Ninja Turtles have been animated so many different ways now. Like you sometimes forget all the different styles that they tried to do with Ninja Turtles. There was a Nickelodeon show that they did not, not too long ago. Or who knows? Maybe it is long ago now. I want to say maybe it was like five maybe even longer than that years ago. And I just remember seeing clips of that and I hated the way it looked. Like they looked clayish, like claymation-ish. And I didn't really like how they looked. I hated the way it looked. So I was like, ugh, I don't like how they look at all. But this was different for me. I looked at it and I went, huh, it almost looks like people compared it to Spider-Verse. Um, it didn't look exactly like Spider-Verse, but I do get what they mean as far as just it looking almost like out of a comic book type of, you know, it kind of had that kind of artwork and the color style to it. So I get where they're coming from with that. Um, it looks like it's going to be kind of a story of them sort of arriving 
to the point of fighting crime, like, which might be an interesting story. Like, it looks like they're just going to be kids. And then it's kind of the journey to decide to fight crime and ninjas and bad people and all that kind of stuff. And if that's what we're doing, that's a little different from what we've seen from Ninja Turtle stories. Most of the time, they're already fighting crime. You know, they've already made that decision that this is what we're doing or we're fighting Shredder already or we're already aware of the foot. And so this is what the Ninja Turtles are doing. But it looks like this might kind of discover or or at least be about their, about them kind of discovering their role and what they can do and how they can help people. So if that's what we're doing, I think it might actually be good. So, yeah. My only worry with it isn't from the trailer. It's from the cast list. There are so many characters Mm -hmm. in that movie. Yeah, quite a few. There are so many characters in that movie. That's my biggest worry with it. So, yeah, it might be too much. Yeah. Like it's and it's yeah. kind of weird that you've got a bebop and a rock steady, but I don't remember them saying a shredder. Yeah, which would be. I weird think there because... is a shredder because I thought that was Jackie Chan. No, that's Splinter. Oh, that's Splinter. Okay, never mind. Yeah, I mean, to me, it just gets a little weird sometimes. Like, I don't know what everybody like all the movie studios' obsession is with making. Like villains that have direct roots to other characters or direct roots in their origins to other things and just going, nah. Yeah. You know, like Venom, Morbius, uh, the Madam Web movie that they're making, the Craven movie that they made. I'm naming so many Sony movies. Is this a Sony movie? Is that where it comes from? I don't know. Um, <laughs> But it's just that. Like, it's just like so many things. It's like, Bebop and Rocksteady have their roots with the shredder in the foot. You know what I mean? Like they weren't just random people that got mutated. No, like the foot did it to them. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. I don't see anything on IMDb about it either or about them having a shredder. I mean, that's the thing is they could still, I guess, have the foot and you just don't see the shredder until like the end or something. That's fair. I mean, I guess the Shredder doesn't have to be in it. But I guess at least the foot has to be. But then they've also got so many of the other creatures in it, though. Like, they're going to have the the frog guy and the manta ray guy and the uh, leather head, I think, is in it. They're in so many Oh, people. wow. Yeah. Baxter Stockton. Stockman. Stockman. Yeah. The fly. Yeah. Yeah. But then, oh, but then they also have Superfly, which is the other fly-based villain. Because I think this Baxter Stock uh, Stockman, I don't think is going to be the TV show version where he becomes a fly guy. Mm-hmm. I think it's the comics version where he stays a guy. Hmm. Otherwise, we're going to have two fucking fly guys in this. Yeah, true. Can't have that. So. Ooh, they're going to have Giancarlo Esposito play Baxter Stockman. Yep. No, the cast nice. is great. Yeah. And I, I liked the teenagers. They got to do the voices. I liked that they sounded like teens. Yeah. Yeah. 
they didn't sound like adults trying to be teens. Yeah, because yeah. it really, that is something like when I heard the voices in the trailer, I was like, oh yeah, they, they definitely are teenage mutant ninja turtles. And uh, that's overlooked, I think, <laughs> usually. So, well, so many, so many times in the movies and the TV shows, they call them teenagers, but they rarely ever are. Yeah, you know, and that's what I kind of like. I said I appreciate about this. At least they sound like kids because they kind of should. Uh. You know, and it also, you know, it also looks like Raph is, you know, the best again. So that's all that matters. I mean, he totally, he totally got a sigh right in some guy's thigh. It's fantastic. That was pretty funny. Yeah. And notice how you're getting jokes out of him. Not out of no fucking Leo. Leo's just back there being a fucking... Boring ass fucking guy. Leo's is back there being the best with his katanas. So, Justin, what do what do you uh, what do you have you ever heard the theory of the the Ninja Turtles and their weapons? No. Okay. Cool. We'll go into this. We got a little bit of time. Whatever. Um. So the theory goes that Master Splinter gave everybody weapons that are like the antithesis of their personality in a way. You know what I mean? To help okay. balance them out. Because like Ralph, the, the, or Raph, the, the aggressive hothead, the, you know, the, the guy that's on the attack, he's got size. Size are traditionally defensive weapons. Hmm. You know, that you have to show restraint and patience. You know, they're good at de- defending and blocking. Not for going on to the, you know, going to, uh, on the attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look yeah. at Mikey. You know, kind of scatterbrained, kind of just all over the place. Just the jokes are all this other stuff. Nunchucks take immense amounts of concentration. Yeah. You have to like constantly focus and all these other things or you're just fucking hitting yourself in the face. Um, uh, Donatello, you know, the smart, you know, smart guy that, you, you know, uses technology and is like all these other crazy things. He's got just a fucking stick. Yeah. It's the most basic weapon there is. It's a stick. Mm-hmm. And then Leonardo, who is kind of the calm, you know, centered, uh, kind of like morally, like the morally just person and stuff like that. He's the one person that has a bladed weapon. Yeah. Like the one that can actually inflict true damage to things, mm-hmm. you know, and just he can cut people's arms off, you know, and shit like that, you know. So it's That's all, actually really cool. I've like never a, heard this a, before. A little thing that like it's to, to like add balance and to help teach them is why they got their weapons. That's it. That is very cool. And if that was the plan the whole time, that's pretty damn awesome. But if that is something that somebody just made up, because people sometimes will do that with stuff like Ninja Turtles and characters, that's still pretty damn cool. And I am accepting it. As that is what Splinter was trying to do. Yeah, because even if it's not intentional, it it still very much makes sense. Yeah, yeah it, it makes so much sense that a master would do something like that. So, yeah, that's pretty damn cool. And it doesn't feel like one of those crazy retcons, like 
the one in Iron Man 2 where Iron Man saves the little boy and they're like, yep, that's Peter Parker. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that yeah. shit. Like, no, it just, it, it, it makes sense. And it, it at least it tracks, you know what I mean? Like, you can just kind of look at it and go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And that'd be hilarious if what's, his, what's her name? Laird and Eastman are just like, huh, never thought of it like that. Yep, that's what we meant the whole time. <laughs> right. So I like that so much. I hope that that, I hope that makes it into this movie somehow. Maybe it'll make it in. Maybe somebody caught wind of that and they'll put something like that in the movie. You know, maybe there'll be this conversation that Splinter's having with one of them and he's like, do you know why you carry the nunchucks? You know, I think that would be kind of cool. That'd be a great moment in the movie to kind of like bring one of the real, maybe all of them. Maybe that's like the darkest hour conversation where they like realize, damn, we need to work together. You know, we need to be brothers. This is why, you know, we got to do this together, brothers. You know, maybe that's the conversation that could be the the starter of that conversation. Or like they just got their asses handed to them by like Bebop and Rocksteady. Yeah. And they barely made it out and they know they're going to have to confront them again. And like, that's the speech that like Splinter gives them to like reassure them that like, no, you're more than just that. Like, you know, like Michelangelo, you, you know, you don't think that you're that capable or anything like that, but the sheer amount of focus that you do show just inherently by, you know, using your weapon shows that you do have it in you, even when yeah. you don't think you do, you know, things like that. Yeah. It'd be great. That would be great to put in a film, but you're, or like with Raph and it's like, you know, he was trying to save somebody, but instead like, you know, Donatello gets hit in the face with a, I don't know, a trash can or whatever, but he's trying to save him. And he's like, I couldn't save him when it mattered. And he's like, well, you can like, you just have to like, remember what you do when you use your size. Like, you know, that's the defensive side of things like preparing for that, anticipating the attack, you know, and all those types of things. Like you, you don't have to do it. Like, you know how we originally, like when I broke it down for everything, like, you, you know, you can make it more narrative speech. Yeah. You know, about just trusting in yourself because, you know, you might feel like you are this, you know, mono-traded character, but there is this much more to you because look at what you do every day without even thinking about it with your weapon. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that'd be tight. I don't know. One of the things I am the most excited about is, to me, some of the best voice casting in that movie, though, is it's Seth Rogen and John Cena. As Bebop yeah. and Rocksteady. I'm like, God. That's going to be good. Like, because, <laughs> I mean, as much as that Lion King sucked, I mean, Seth Rogen sounds like his voice goes very well with, you know, animated pigs. <laughs> this is true. So, no, I like that. Anyway, that was a good way to fill the time. And Cena has been a horned character animal, too. You know, Ferdinand, so. Oh. You know, I did not know that. Yeah, I forgot that was a movie. Yeah, he played a bull in a thing. 
Did you see that, Justin? Yeah, it was actually good. That's fine. I'm I'm a fan of that children's book. So I didn't know it was a book. Which it was eight pages or something. It's not long at all. So I was really nervous, like, man, what is this movie going to be about? But it was actually good. That film, like, almost won Best Animated Film that year. And it was one of the first, like, awards or part of a crew that received awards that Cena was a part of. So it was a big deal to him at the time. That's fair. So, yeah, there you go. There you go. Something you didn't know. I've got a cat constantly digging their claws in my thigh. Um, anyway, you guys ready to talk about the movie? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Somebody else. Nobody knows anything but you. Cinema Slayers. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. We're all here today. It's been a few weeks, but we're all here. That's right. And we are here to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with Creed 3. We are going to go... Spoiler-free recommendations and scores, and then into a more spoiler-centric section. And with all that, starting us off is the person that just wasn't here last week. So you get to start it this week. Justin, what are your spoiler-free thoughts about Creed 3? Yeah, boy. Um, I also did this the right way. I watched the, I revisited the first two again before I watched this one. And I really like that I made the decision to do that. Highly recommend you do that because uh, the creeds are good. The first two creeds are very good. So they are very easy watches. And I just smiled through them, remembering why I like them so much. So that wasn't hard to do at all. And going into this movie, there were a few questions. Um, I guess the big elephant in the room or stallion in the room I guess I could say is that um, Sly Stallone, Rocky Balboa wasn't going to be in this one. So even though it was Michael B. Jordan's directorial debut, and I was excited about that, this is a third film and we know kind of the Hollywood history with third films. Sometimes that doesn't always go so well. Uh and the fact that uh, like a a key character like Rocky wasn't going to be in this. Um, and, and I don't know the whole story behind it. I know that a lot of it is. I do. Rights to characters and stuff like that. And I know Stallone has been vocal. And I'm pretty sure you were about to say you do know. So <laughs> I will save that for you. I then. Do. Um, no, no, okay. I'm just saying we can go. We can go more in depth in the spoiler section. I, I'll break it down. Okay, cool. Is. Fun, fun, or maybe it's not so fun. We'll see. Maybe it's not so fun for Sly Stallone. But, you know, so those were some questions I had going in. You know, can this be 
as good as the other two because I thought the other two were 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 very good movies. But I was excited about Jonathan Majors because, man, Jonathan Majors has been killing it lately. Like, is, is he the best black actor right now? I don't know. It might that may be a conversation. Maybe that's a conversation for another day. But you certainly can make the argument. Um, I mean, he's got to be up there. Just what? Maybe I mean, him and Viola yeah. Davis. Maybe. Well, I don't know. Well, um. Heather, your boy, what's his name? Daniel uh, Kaluuya. Kaluuya. Uh, oh, yeah. Him. Yeah. Lakeith Stanfield is up there. Um, Honestly, Michael B. Jordan's up there, too. To Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. But, I mean, but my, but Jonathan Majors is kind of just digging himself the, like this, like this little path of just kind of some greatness. That, yeah. Like, I mean, he was the only thing yeah. that truly shined in fucking Ant-Man. <laughs> yeah. And he just continues to shine like, well, if it's even like if all of these people are horses, then maybe he is, you know, you can there and they're coming around that 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 loop like you feel like he might be the horse that is that might be beginning to separate himself. You know, if they're all there that's what it feels like because man he's just been and maybe it's because he's just fresh on my mind he's been in a lot of stuff the the hbo series he was in um lovecraft country lovecraft country man he was great in that it it just feels like everything that he's been in that i've seen lately it's just been a home run and this is no exception to that like he was wonderful in this arguably the best thing about this you know as far as just acting performances and stuff like that and that's really saying a lot because there were because I thought everybody showed up in this movie I thought that Michael B. Jordan was good it was good to see Creed again and for all the stuff I said initially about Sly Stallone not being in the movie maybe in some ways you could argue that maybe some things were hurt by him not being there. But one thing I can definitely say is what helped this maybe is that he wasn't there. I think there were some aspects of the story and kind of seeing Creed be his own man, be the family man, be being the, you know, the husband, seeing him as a father and some of the struggles of that. Maybe that was for the best. You know, maybe that helped this character journey in some ways. And maybe not having Rocky there to tell him the to be the cheat code to how to win the fight. Maybe some of that, maybe some of that helps this, you know. Maybe I wouldn't have liked the journey as much if Rocky was there. Because maybe it would have played too similarly to the other two. So who knows? That's something to think about, too, with this, I think. So maybe in some ways the movie is strengthened by him not being there as much as maybe it could have helped him being there. I don't know. I think maybe there's that's a 50-50 thing. But all that being said, I liked what I got. I thought that the performances were great. Michael B. Jordan as a director, man, for this to be a directorial debut, 
And especially for this to be the third movie in a series. But man, he did a lot of really cool things with the camera. He did a lot of really good things as far as storytelling with the fight scenes, which are amazing. Another highlight of this film. And something that I didn't know about Michael B. Jordan is that he talked about being an anime fan. And I could definitely see some of that in this. Like, if you're an anime fan and you watch this, you will notice some things right away about how he shot Jonathan Majors, like the mental analysis that goes on during a fight and picking and choosing and strategies in the moment and stuff like that. And the camera focusing on something that the character's focusing on. Like there are a lot of different things he does with also lighting and shadows too, that I totally saw some of those anime influences in this. And, and, and that's no secret. A lot of people steal from anime. I'm not going to lie. A lot of people, directors and filmmakers over here steal from anime, but they never mention it. So it was nice to not only hear it mentioned, but see it happening and be like, oh, okay, I see. I see what you're doing, Michael B. I see what you're doing. But no, Um, man, I think the, oh, go ahead. No, just what you're saying about that right now, little interesting fact. Uh, When Michael B. Jordan, when Creed's wearing the red shorts, they're designed after the the jacket and Akira. Yep. That's all. Yep. See, I caught that, and I thought that was Akira. I was like, is that Akira? Yep, and see, I caught that. Um, he had a Naruto poster whenever the kid, do they did the kid flashback stuff in his room. You know, you can subtly see a anime poster. So there are all these little things, right? But I think that this is a very good movie. Where does it rank among the the three? I mean, I still think the first one is the best one, but th- but this may be just as good or maybe even a little bit better than the second one. I mean, I think it's right there, you know? I mean, it's hard for me to say in the in a in a, in a moment that it was better than the second one, but it could be. It probably is. If I add up everything, it probably is right there with the second one or maybe just a little bit better. I don't know how you beat the first one though. The 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 fight with cancer, the 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 fight in the ring, the, the the I mean that was just so damn good. But all that being said, man, this is this was a good film, man. I, I had a lot of fun with this. I think it's very entertaining. It's very heartfelt. Um, the last thing I'll say about it is I think what I love about these more recent Creed movies versus the Oh, the Rocky movies is that the Rocky movies just had a lot of eighties and nineties cheese. And, you know, there were a lot of elements in the older movies that are just kind of over the top and stuff like that. I think the best thing about these Creed movies is how real it feels as a sports presentation, like just all of the little elements and things that they add to it to make it feel like these are people that actually exist. These are people that um, are in are on ESPN. These are people that have documentaries about them, stuff like that. I just think it does a better job of capturing, like if these people live today, how would they be covered? 
it does a good job with the politics sometimes that come into sports and why a fight happens or materializes and stuff like that. So I like the sense of realism that it brings to the Rocky series. If you want to call this that, I mean, I guess it's an extension. I guess we can call it that. We'll just call it that for shits and giggles today. I think that it brings a very, a a, a very much needed realism to what sometimes was a very Hollywood and over the top, especially when you're talking about the, oh, the Rocky film. So I just appreciate all that. I appreciated Michael B's direction. And I thought that this was a very good story. While it may be a predictable story, I knew what was going to happen. I liked how it happened. I think, um, you know, so while I can't give it any points for, inventing the wheel or anything, reinventing the wheel or anything like that. The wheel rolled just fine. You know, it, it, it rolled, it was smooth, nothing wrong with the tire tread and it got me where I needed to go. So all in all, I was very satisfied with this movie. So what, what are you saying, Justin? Are you saying that Rocky winning a, a boxing match and ending communism isn't realistic? <laughs> man as real as i wish that was uh yeah yeah or no, him I, like I, fighting hulk hogan and being like man hulk hogan's a pro wrestler what this is real i'm gonna have to really fight him now and this is supposed to be some promotional thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is funny because that's after that's that's based on a uh muhammad ali going to japan and yeah, doing the same thing with, where um, he was a a pro wrestler versus Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Antonio Anoiki. Yeah. Yeah. So or like, or just the, the quirky things like Clubber Lang when he's training. Oh, oh, oh. Remember how he was just sitting there like <laughs> grunting and making no weird noises and stuff when he was training. Like there's just so much to like laugh at about the old Rocky stuff. And it's like, none of that is really in here like that, you know? I do think that this movie would have benefited from a robot. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's a deep cut to Rocky three people. Um, anyway, uh, Heather, what are your spoiler free thoughts about this movie? I mean, the cast is stacked. So I, and I mean, I, I knew that going into this movie and then you see the movie and part of me is like, I feel like I've never seen a, better casted movie <laughs> like everybody was just so good at their role and obviously you know these are returning characters most of them except for I guess Jonathan Major's character but just seeing the the progression of the storylines from the from the other characters and uh the dynamic between um Creed and I'm forgetting Jonathan Major's name in the in the movie but yeah, I, I just, Damien. their dynamic, Damien, yeah, Dame, that's right. So their dynamic was so good because, yeah, it's just very, um, it, it just feels very real. Like you do feel like they have this history of they know each other, they knew each other before this. And um, there's there's something very, 
I don't know. There's something about the way that Jonathan Majors attacks a role that is so captivating. And I get what you mean about he's just, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say he's the best thing about the movie, but he's definitely one of the best things about the movie because of just how well he does this character and you see all of the different emotions that he's going through as his character and all of that. But again, I just, I have just such a love for Michael B. Jordan as well, just because anything that I've seen him in, he is, he does not miss. He is so good. Just like Jonathan Majors. Like, I just feel like almost anything I've seen him in, he just doesn't miss. I, I think I saw him for the first time in Friday Night Lights when he was on that show. So from then on, I was like, who is this guy? You know, and um, and then going back and seeing, you know, when he was in The Wire and, and seeing, you know, just all of these movies and things like that that he's done as well. He's so good at the dramatic roles to specify <laughs> the comedies he's done. I won't necessarily say those are amazing, but in dramatic roles, he's so good every time. So just both of them together and how they did their performances and how they played off of each other in this film was just really stellar, I think. And yeah, you just really feel like they, they were those, those friends for so long and hadn't seen each other. And just, you, you feel that estranged relationship that they have. Um, and they did that really well because that's sort of what's driving this movie. That's driving the plot of this movie. So you need to be able to feel that. Um, I think Tessa Thompson was great. Um, I really like that she's sort of like the 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 solid rock for for Adonis, and just even sort of I feel like started inflicting some wisdom on Dame as well. Um, I I like seeing, um, you know, just their family and some things that happen within their family, how that's handled. Yeah, everybody's just so good. Wood Harris, I love Wood Harris too. He's great. So just everybody in this movie is so just, I, I would not have changed anybody they cast or anything that they did with their roles. So yeah, it's really good. And the story, the storyline is good. The direction is really good. I did enjoy the fights in this one. I, I definitely do think the first movie is the best of the Rocky movies. I'm not Rocky, sorry, the Creed movies. Um but you might have said it right the first time. Did I? <laughs> I'm making Anyways. a joke. Oh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, I get what you're saying now. I got it. I got it. Um, but yeah, I just, but I do think that some of the fights they do in this one are the one, some of the more memorable ones, I think for sure. For me, at least. So yeah, they just, they did a really great job. And this is the, Right. This is the debut of Michael B. Jordan's directing. Right. And I think that that is a great start for sure. So, yeah, I, I think it was a really good movie. I think it had a, a solid story behind it. It's not a perfect film. It does have some flaws, but it's definitely on par with the other Creed movies. And I really enjoyed it. I think it's kind of funny. And it kind of, I think this really suggests or shows or exemplifies mine and Justin's sensibilities when it comes to anime. Because the things that he really liked that were pulled from anime were some of my least favorite things in this movie. 
Uh, I knew it. <laughs> I didn't like the hyper focus, like weakness detection system they had all of a sudden. Wasn't around for two movies, and all of a sudden you'd be like, kidney shot. Yeah. Super effective. I didn't like that. <laughs> I, I I thought it was kind of weird. This movie that all of a sudden, you know, Adonis Creed has these this ability to just know weaknesses and know how to perfectly exploit the weakness, you know, just from, you know, reading tape or, you know, watching tape and all this other shit, uh, you know, and all this stuff. I didn't, that's just an ability that comes out of nowhere in this, you know, in the third movie. Um, I didn't like that. Like I said, it becomes this weird hyper-focused boxing thing. You know, it reminded me a lot of, uh, there's that motorcycle movie, um, oh man. Biker boys. Yes. Biker boys. <laughs> when <laughs> oh, no. it, was, it was that inherited trait when you're on the bike and you get the tunnel vision, super focus, and it just makes you a, a better, you know, motorcycle rider. It kind of reminded me of that. Biker boys. Yeah. Biker boys with a Z. Um, <laughs> yes. It's sad that you knew which one I was talking about, Justin, and not the other one that came out around that same time. Torque. Uh, oh, torque. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. I mean, you picked the better of the two biker movies. And that's saying a lot that there is a better of those two. Um, anyway, it just kind of reminded me of that. It was a little too cheesy for me. Because it like zoom in on the eyes and then they're just like, you oh, know, bam. And I'm just like, oh, man. I thought that was a little. I thought it was a little cheesy to add at this point. Um, and I didn't necessarily make the connection to anime with that until you brought it up, Justin, until you were like, oh, that's an anime thing. And I'm like, it is an anime thing. And that's probably why I didn't like it. Like subconsciously, it's just like where my sensibilities lie with that type of stuff. You know what I mean? Like that isn't something that I'm, you know, when I watch shit, that's not the type of shit that the, the, the shit that has that is not what I tend to watch or seek out. Hmm. You know, I'm not even trying to bag on anime. I'm just saying like for my own personal sensibilities, that type of stuff isn't what I go towards when I'm just free watching shit. So that's why I wouldn't be attracted to those same aspects in this movie. Hmm. Uh, and I think that that's why uh, to me, this is the weakest of all three films. But, I mean, to say it's the weakest and this is what we got, I mean, shit, that's a damn good trilogy. Even if I'm viewing this as the weakest one. Damn, we really lucked out with these Creed movies. You know, because I think the first one, when it just comes to pure story and acting, the first one's the best. I like the fights in the second one better, though. I like those fight sequences better. So like, that's where I kind of rank them with that. And I think that this one maybe has better acting and better story than the second one. But I think the second one has better fighting. And then I think, but I do think the fighting in this one's better than the first movie. So it kind of puts them all in like a weird round Robin thing for me. You know, <laughs> each one's got an element that's better than the other ones, you know, in a way. Uh, but no, I, 
overall, though, yo, I loved this movie. I thought it was really great. Uh, Michael B. Jordan uh, pulling double duty. He did a fantastic job. Uh, he did really good at not, you know, at his, his acting performance wasn't weakened from having to pull the double duty, you know. And then on top of that, I mean, hey, can you ask for a better actor to come in to be your foil for this movie? No. I mean, Jonathan Major shows up and adds to the long line of kind of memorable, if you will, Rocky opponents. I know Rocky wasn't this, but I'm just talking about the in general thing. You know, the memorableness of like an Apollo Creed or an Ivan Drago. Diamond Dane is kind of right up there with them now. As far as the, the way they're able to do that. I think that that Diamond Dame is kind of what they wanted Clubber Lang to be. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He's like a much better, much more thought out, way more fleshed out Clubber Lang. That's what he was. Yeah. Yeah, and he did fantastic. And I was so glad to see young Dra- uh, young Drago back. Yeah, that was cool. Because I love the way the second movie ends. And I was like, if Drago is just never back, I know that they're doing, a, I think, a series on Peacock, like a mini series about Drago. But I'm like, if he's just not back, like, that's such a shame. Because that was such a fantastic character. Like, honestly, that's the thing is, with the exception of the first movie, I think we get better versions of other characters in the second and third movies. Because I think young Drago is better than the father as an actual character. You know, maybe not as iconic as Dolph Lundgren was in the 80s, but iconic as fuck. Like, well, but this, but he was a deeper character, he had more nuance to him. And I really loved the way they did it with the the, the Drago's son. Um, and then you have this one. I mean, well, he made Ivan Drago's, well, just to comment on that really quickly, he made Ivan Drago a better character. That whole father and son dynamic and kind of the realization at the end there that I'm not going to abandon my son and yeah. I can't lay all of my failures on him. Like all of that stuff that all of those realizations Ivan Drago made through his, that journey with his son. And then them at the end, you didn't have to hear any dialogue, just them jogging at the end of that. Like all of that was good. I think that whole thing made Ivan Drago, that movie made Ivan Drago a better character. It humanized him. In the other one, he was just a maniac. (laughs) Russian man, it's all about glory, and I don't like America, and if he dies, he dies. And he was just a robot. He was a a Terminator boxer, you know? But this sort of humanized him, so. You are 100% correct. Like, yes. And so, like, to see him back in this, and, you know, I really enjoyed that. It wasn't a lot, but it it just really kind of added to the depth of the film, you know? And then that's where you run into that weird, awkward elephant in the room of there's no Rocky. Mm -hmm. Now, I will give them credit. 
they did 100% the best job they could whilst also losing a linchpin character in this trilogy. Not, not even including the whole franchise, but even just within the trilogy. They did the best they could whilst losing that character. But I still think it leaves a little bit of a hole. I like what you said, Justin. I like that Creed was able to figure it out without him. But I mean, like, fuck, they couldn't have, like, a phone call? You know what I mean? Just something. I feel like that's... Yeah. It's still a hole. You know, yeah. like... A, but then when you find out why, it kind of sucks a little more. I'm not going to lie. It sucks a little more. Why he's not in this. Um. But... I think overall, I mean, the acting and the overall story and the, you know, even though I, like I said, I don't agree with all the directorial decisions. Overall, it's just, it's, it's still too solid to even let those things like really like fuck you up, you know, like Rocky in this movie or not being in this movie is like maybe a two or three point deduction. It's not, it's not as big as you would think it would be. But it's just, it's like those little things that if they were, if he was in it, it's just, it's a little bit better. It's more solid. It's just more there. So, um, recommendations and scores? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh. I hit the button, but I have that channel muted. So we're going to have to do it again now. Recommendations and scores. Uh, Heather, recommendations and scores. Yeah, I definitely recommend this this movie. Um, I think it it's really well done, really well acted, and I mean, especially if you're a fan of the Creed movies or the Rocky franchise, I think this is definitely you're you're gonna you're gonna definitely want to see this one. And just in general, the story is good, and I and I'm I'm thinking about the movie, and I'm. Part of me is like, do you need to have seen the first two to kind of know what's happening in the third one? A little bit, you do. But even if it, if I'm taking it out of the franchise of the other movies, standalone itself, it's still just a very good movie, you know, with a, a really good story. So, yeah, I think it's it's definitely worth a watch. And um, yeah, I, I don't I don't think you would be disappointed for any reason watching this movie. So yeah, recommend it for sure. I'm going to give it, um, yeah, I'll give it 88, um, combined number of abs from Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors out of a hundred. This movie was ab city. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, Justin, was. what about you? Yeah, it's definitely a recommend for me. And you you kind of said it a little bit earlier. But yeah, now that we have a Creed trilogy, I do think this is one of the better trilogies probably in cinema. I mean, you know, there there's quite a few trilogies that are bad, but this one I think holds up. You know, going back and watching the old movies, I still enjoyed them. 
And when I went to watch this in the movie theater, I enjoyed this. And I'm glad that I saw it in the movie theater, you know, hearing all the sounds and the punching and all of that kind of stuff, you know, the sound editing in this was on point. And I think it added to my experience whenever they they were doing fight scenes and things like that. So I am glad that I caught it in the theater. So I would highly recommend if you are going to see it, I think it, it looks good enough and the action was immersive enough to where I feel like the theater experience enhanced that a little bit. Um, but, but yeah, th- this is a really good film. Um, you know, it feels like if there are any flaws, a lot of them are just nitpicks or, you know, th- there may be some things that aren't as believable, especially like just if you know boxing and stuff like that, there will be some things where you're like, okay, would that really happen? But really all of those are nitpick things. Like it, it feel, not, nothing really kills this movie, you know? Just like you were saying, like Sloss Stallone, would, he have, would it have helped for, if he was in this? Yes. But him not being in it doesn't really kill the movie. You know, it's only... Like you said, it's these things are minor deductions in what is all in what is just very in what is a very just well executed endeavor. So I gotta hand it to Michael B. Jordan. I gotta hand it to everybody on staff. It was a very good film. Um I don't know, like if the first if I gave the first creed like a ninety-two and I gave Creed two I don't know, like if, if Creed 2 is like 88 or something, then this is probably, yeah, I may give it one point better. I think I, I think really I enjoyed this and Creed 2 about the same, but I might give it one point better for the anime elements that it had. So <laughs> I knew you would love that, Sterling. Uh, so, yeah, we'll go 89. We'll, we'll go 89. Um, I should have thought about this more. Oh, we'll go 89. Um, daughters uh, beating you in the center of the ring for your championship out of 100. That was a fantastic scene. Love that scene. Um, I do recommend it. I do think it, it's very well made, very well written. Very well acted movie. I've got my stylistic differences with this movie. I've got the the rocky hole. And I've got one plot point that I'll get into in a little bit that really nagged me. It's it's a small plot point. I think overall the movie overcomes it. But I really hated that they went out of their way to kind of have this plot point in the movie. That was one of the most easily solved things ever. Like I think I know what it is. You can send an email <laughs> and the problem solved. But they went, nope. We're going to be like, oh, the only way out of it is boxing. I'm like, you, you could have got into it a different way. But, you know, I don't get me wrong. Like you said, the movie overcomes it. But I'm like, there's still a better way to do it. Um, But no, I did. I really enjoyed it. 
it's like you, like you said, Justin, it kind of ends what is a fantastic trilogy that is up there with great fucking trilogies. You know, when it comes to just sheer modern trilogies, I mean, to me, this is kind of one notch down below the Planet of the Apes trilogy. I was literally going to ask you guys that question yeah. in, oh. in spoilers, if, if it's up there for it's you. It's up there, but it's not quite there. Yeah, it's not quite the yeah. apes, but it's it's but it's up there, you know? Hey, but being up there with apes is an accomplishment within itself. Right. Yep. Because to Cause me, that's damn, I, you're perfect. I think apes is better than Lord of the Rings. I'm 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 not even trying to have my bias in there. I think the Lord of the Rings trilogy is garbage. But no. I'm just saying I'm just saying in general though, I do think it's better. I think it's better than the Star Wars trilogy. I think it's better than Indiana Jones. I think it's better than a lot of those trilogies that used to be like the quintessential trilogies. I think it's better. You know, I would put John Wick in there, but John Wick 4 coming out means that it's not meant to be viewed as a trilogy anymore. You know, it's meant to be a saga. So John Wick can't even be in that conversation anymore because now it's, it's entering saga territory. Uh, but I just, as far as trilogies go, this is, this is up there. This really is. And well, and I think that that's saying a lot considering all three had different directors and the quality did not drop a significant amount between, you know, it didn't raise or drop a significant amount between all the movies. The overall quality of the trilogy stayed very good. And, you know, that's saying a lot nowadays, especially, like I said, multiple directors, multiple everything. You know, you'd always get one director that wants to do one thing. You know, they're like, no, I want to do it this way. And, you know, so they hyper-focus on one thing. It's No, they did a very good job of keeping like a sensibility throughout them, whilst also adding their own flares to them. Uh, like I said, I've got a little bit more points off than you guys. It's not much though. I'm going to give it 85. This movie has some of the best damn boxing entrances I've ever fucking seen out of a hundred. Also true. They're fantastic. They were tight. Uh, spoilers. Yes, yep. except you're going to say our Cinescore, right? Oh, oh, Heather. Oh, good catch. Making me stay true to the format. Uh, <laughs> the official Cinescore for this movie is an 87. I'll take good. that, yeah. It's one of the better Cinescores we've had in a very long time. I think actually since Puss in Boots. Well, we did the missing after that, either way. We had two weeks in a row where we got a 53. Because those <laughs> Knock at the Cabin and Ant-Man both got a 53. Mm. And Cocaine Bear got a 47. So this was a nice little trip to the movies that we fucking jumped up that many points. That's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Now are you ready for spoilers, Heather? Yes. Thank you. Spoilers. Okay, my plot point. Dame beats the fuck out of that guy. And then they find out that 
a prison friend of his is the one that disabled Drago. And he's like, you know, the whole thing is he's like, oh, we got to fix this. I got to make it right. I've got to fix it. I've got to do all this. You can get him stripped of the titles. You have photographic proof that he knows the man. You can send an email to the WBC and they just strip him of the titles. Mm. That's a thing they do. It doesn't yeah. have, he doesn't have to get it, like take it away in a boxing ring. No, they can just strip him of the titles and give them back to the guy. I mean, they would actually more likely vacate, but still they can just strip him of the titles yeah. and then ban him from boxing. And then guess what? The problem you created, well, is not 100% fixed is way more partially fixed than, you know, anything else. Um, yep. You know, cause I mean, theoretically you could get them thrown back in jail for that too. Yeah. Like I understand if you wanted to go that route and go be like, no, I can't be responsible for him going to jail again. Okay. You could still get him stripped of the titles without sending him to jail. Like, that just really kind of irked me. He's like, I want to do whatever it takes to fix this, except do the thing that I should have done. That you like have a responsibility that you should have done. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's actually very true. That really yeah. bothered me. Uh, but like I said, overall, the movie does overcome that glaring issue. Because to me, like I said, it's just like, why, why isn't he just sending an email to the WBC and all these other things? Like this guy attacked or had one of his friends attack a fellow boxer in a malicious way just to injure him. And you want him, you're okay with him just yeah. being the fucking undisputed heavyweight champion? Like, come on. Get out of here with that. Uh, one other issue I had too is also they made such a big deal out of the the super weakness boxing ability that Dame has that you know uh, Adonis had it too, but they made it you know Dame having that ability, and then they also did the thing where where Dame was also willing to cheat to fight or cheat to win. None of that came up in the final fight. Like, they didn't end up acknowledging any of that stuff. You know, they're like, oh, you've had ruptured kidneys. We need to make your weakness a strength. I'm like, I don't know how you make that a strength. Like, a ruptured kidney is not <laughs> something you can, like, work out. Um, I get the mentality. It was just really funny how he's listing off all the things. He's like, we got to make these your strengths. I was like, you listed ruptured kidney. You can't work out your kidneys like that. Although it would have been funny if they did like an x-ray vision of him and his little kidneys just doing sit-ups. It would have been fantastic. Uh, but no, they just didn't, they brought up all these things. They're like, oh, he's going to cheat to win. He's going to do this. He's going to know all these things and he's going to hyper-focus on them and do all this stuff. None of that came into play in the final fight. And I thought that that was kind of weird. You built it up, you showed it in, in, his, in, in Dame's first fight. And it just was nothing in the final fight. I thought that was a little weird to have that be a narrative through point that you're like literally talking about. And then it just was never a thing. I thought that was a little awkward. 
I did originally hate in the final fight when they did that whole thing where it kind of went like to a shadow and, and, and Adonis and Dame were fighting each other and no, like the crowd disappeared and they're like in the shadow and they're boxing. It's got like the cage walls come up and all this stuff. When that first started, I really did not like it. But as it played out, it did turn me. I actually did like it towards like while they were doing it and towards the end of it. Cause I liked that. It really kind of showed that to them, the crowd no longer mattered. Like the fight, no matter what was just between them two. And that's all that mattered. And it's like the world kind of faded away because ultimately they were just so focused on their fight that they had whether it was the internal struggle they had from their past, you know, the physical actual fight they were having at the moment, you know, with the ups and downs of whether or not they were once friends. Are they now, does anybody owe each other anything? You know, all those little things that they added to their relationship throughout the movie culminated in that moment and kind of just showed that like nothing else mattered in that moment between those two men. Yeah. So then I appreciate yeah, it. I loved that scene. I loved that Same. scene. And like the cage representing the past that they were both sort of imprisoned by, freaking loved it. Like, and I don't know if any other Rocky movie has that. So that was a completely different way to show the fight, but to show how metaphorically there are all these other things to the fight. So I I thought that was great. Yeah, no, I'm just saying like when it first started though, when they're like standing there and it like fades to black, fades to black. And then they just start boxing. I was like, come on, what is this? And then, like I said, as it went, it it won me over. I saw the, I saw what it was representing all these things. But when it first happened, it reminded me of that, that uh, some of the stuff in the movie uh, to the bone with Woody Harrelson and Antonio Banderas. Like, Mm where they did a lot of that stuff in that final fight. I guess it also reminded me of the Rocky Balboa fight from Rocky six, where he's like in his like final match. And then it's like goes and flashes to random scenes of like thunder clouds and lightning bolts and thunder and blah, blah, blah. I'm just, what the fuck is this? It, (laughs) it just, when it first started, that's what came to my head as it played out. I, 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 you know, I was like, okay, they're doing this, they're doing this. And and like I said, I grew to appreciate it and and, and saw it as a highlight of the film. It's just that when it first starts and I'm like, come on, this again. They do that so many times and I feel like in boxing movies. But this one did it effectively. So it kind of puts it above some of what I've seen in uh, previous films doing something like that. Uh, I mean, outside of that, I really just kind of enjoyed... Every, like most of the stuff with this movie. I mean, those were kind of my glaring things uh, that were more more spoilerish than some of the other, like the anime stuff that I brought up earlier. I mean, outside of those elements, though, I I did appreciate it. I I do find it kind of weird that every Creed movie has to have like a monumental thing, uh, you know, where it's like Rocky in the first one, Rocky has to get cancer. And the second one, he has to almost, Adonis has to almost die. And then this one, then, you know, his mom dies. 
I'm like, come on. Can we not have that a little bit? But it still kind of ends up fitting. You know what I mean? As weird as this may sound, and it's kind of morbid, I'm kind of glad that it was his mom died and they, they just didn't have Rocky die off screen. Because that's yeah. one thing I was kind of worried about. Yeah. Because at least when she died on screen, she got to have that moment with him. Yeah. And then also bring in Apollo into it too. You know? So that became, while it was somewhat cliche, it became very effective within the movie at least. And like I said, I was worried they were going to kill off Rocky between the movies or like he's going to get a phone call going, Rocky's dead. He's going to be like, no. And then you don't get any moment to kind of elevate the the story with it, you know? Yeah. So at least they avoided some of those pitfalls that other movies would have done. And, you know, maybe, maybe Sylvester will come back for Creed four. If there is one, I'll get into the more of that, the in depth, uh, after everybody goes, um, Justin, what are what are some of your spoiler thoughts with this movie? Yeah. Um well, um one thing that stood out to me just right away was just Jonathan Majors and his acting and just the presence he seemed to have as this Damien character. Like just some of his mannerisms. Like I noticed how he was always kind of holding on to like the strap part of his shorts. Like he would grab at it and sort of kind of do this like sway in motion back and forth. I just really liked how they built this character. And and I could see the parallels to Clubber Lang because in Rocky three Clubber Lang was supposed to be very unorthodox. And he was very like, I come at you with, just nothing but pure force, power, and anger. And th- there's not a lot of strategy. I'm just going to hit you dead on. And he was just kind of like a wrecking ball. And that was something that Rocky hadn't dealt with at that time. It was very unorthodox to Rocky that this guy would just throw strategy out the window and like come at him like a wrecking ball. Well, we know a little bit better now. We know that in boxing that probably... uh <laughs> that, that that probably would get you killed most of the time. You, you know, I, I don't know if we've seen a wrecking ball person like that in a while. Like we have, but he just sucked at it. It was Butterbean. Yeah, that's true, huh? Butterbean, I guess, would be the closest like thing to that. The super heavyweight Butterbean. But like in this movie, they sort of switched that. And instead you kind of have this fighter who just was very, I mean, unorthodox is just the best word I can come up with. His movement was unorthodox. The way he blocked punches was unorthodox. Like how he would sort of like put his hands up and kind of like this cross, kind of his, this cross arm motion. And he would kind of keep them out there, you know, um, blocking but he would block and sway at the same time almost like he was sort of parrying and then he would like um and then how he would target a certain body part or how he would go okay I'm gonna hit you here 
to to sort of neutralize you or to hurt that part of your body to sort of make your punches in effect more least effective and stuff like that. And like you said, bending the rules, not always fully breaking them, but just bending them just enough to give himself an advantage. Like all of the, those impressions I had of him, I just loved the character. I loved that sort of ant- the antithesis he was of Creed, you know, who who is just very strategic, but very a, a much more traditional strategic boxer versus who this guy was. So I appreciated all of that, just everything about him. And sometimes Jonathan Majors wouldn't be saying anything, but everything was in a look or everything was just in how he interpreted things. And just being able and like his vision and his ability to kind of see a weakness. What I think I loved about the movie is that he also could see that in people. Like whenever he's talking to Bianca and they're at that party and she's talking about how, yeah, you know, I don't make music anymore, but I produce. And she's talking about just how happy she was producing he just kind of subtly laughs and goes, I almost believe that. You know, like he saw through all of that mechanical enthusiasm and stuff like that. He saw through all of that and was just like, yeah, I almost believed that you don't, (laughs) that you're okay not, not singing and making your own songs anymore. So I think they made it a point to make some of the things, some of the things about this character in the ring also kind of played into his personality and how he dealt with other people or how he would just sometimes say what the other character didn't expect him to say was kind of similar to how he approached his fighting in the ring. So I thought all of that was consistent. I thought that all of that was great stuff. And then um, just the whole story about them being, you know, friends and the potential he had and just sort of this guy, and you felt for this guy in certain moments. You know, this guy who just was trying to get a break that he never got and you you felt bad for him. And you could, or at least, at the very least, you could understand why Creed felt bad for him. And you could feel this obligation like he owed him throughout the film and wanting to help him and trying to help him and sort of like made that title match happen, which is kind of one of the, I guess you could say, problems I had with the film. Like, it is not that easy to get a title shot. Like, especially coming back from jail, spending that much time in jail, and then, you know, you're kind of back on your feet and fighting again. I don't care what gym you're associated to. Unless you had some sort of prior glory or you were like a prior name or maybe you had some championships beforehand and you took a hiatus and you're back. You know, there are situations where somebody can return to boxing and, and yes, they can get marquee matchups and stuff. But 
I just find it hard to believe. Like the last time he fought was Golden Gloves. And now he's fighting for an undisputed. It wasn't even like it was one belt. It was like two belts. And and I'm saying, and I understand he had to get the title. there, There had to be this matchup with him and Creed. But I almost wish he had had some fights before that, you know? I, I wish before he had the championship match, I wish that Creed had just got him some fights and maybe saw how formidable and dangerous he was More prior. Up. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe they could have built up and maybe they could have been like, well, you know, Dame beat this guy. He beat that guy. Um, th- so... You know, the the number three or uh, the number three and four guy we have on the list, Dame beat him. So maybe it is Dame that should get this fight. You know, I, I just wish that we had kind of built more to his status in boxing before we just gave him an immediate title shot. You know, it's 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 the Rocky curse. It's the, hmm. you have to get the underdog that has no business being in there that either wins or, you know, in Creed and Rocky's instance, at least go the distance in their first movies. It's the curse of that. Yeah. The random underdog yeah. that doesn't deserve it, but gets it. Yeah. And, and I mean, at least they talked about that. He talked about the fact that, well, you Rocky got a chance. You know, you know, your father gave Rocky a chance. So why not me? So the movie did some things logistically to justify it. You know, narratively, I'm okay with it because the movie explained it. They explained why you you understood that um, Adonis had power in the boxing community now because of his accomplishments and his and, and, and his boxing crew and everything like that. So could he have pulled some strings and maybe made this happen? Maybe. But man, if you know boxing, you know how hard that shit would have been, you know, for a person of that status, especially without having any fights at all. You know, we just know, you know, how hard that would have been. So, you know, just one of the kind of uh, issues I had with that. Um, but I did like the story between them. I also like the story, the, the other, um, subplots of Creed, just family man Creed stuff. I liked his dynamic with Tessa Thompson, with Bianca and all of that. And the wife, and I liked the journey that she was on and the, the hearing loss and trying to accept her new role and everything like that. And how, that played into their her dynamic with Creed. All of that was great. I thought the daughter was so adorable in this. I really enjoyed all the scenes with the daughter and the sign language and everything like that. Freaking love those scenes. And that actress is actually deaf, right? If I'm not mistaken. I actually don't know. I think the daughter is, yes. Yeah, the 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 actress that play. So, I mean, bravo to her. She was great. She was convincing in her scenes. I even liked the whole thing of like the mom kind of trying to talk her away from the whole fighting thing and stuff. But I like kind of like how she was kind of a daddy's girl and 
she had watched all of his fights already and kind of knew stuff about him and, 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 and stuff like that. It kind of reminded me of the first movie when you see Creed watching Apollo's fights and he's like shadow boxing while looking at how his father used to box and stuff. So it kind of reminded me of that. I just thought all that stuff was adorable. I just loved all of their scenes together. I just thought that they nailed those family dynamics. And so whenever Creed is at this crossroads and wondering what to do and should he do this and stuff like that, and you bought, because those dynamics were so good, you you bought that maybe he doesn't want to fight this guy. Like, you knew the inevitable was going to happen, and he has to, but I think his reluctance initially was more believable because the family dynamics are so strong. And I can't say that about every movie. Like, when Dom and Fast 9 or whatever is like, man, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't buy that shit at all. <laughs> like, at least here, man, I bought it. <laughs> the Fast movies, as much as I used to love them, it, it's funny how quick it turns. I loved the Fast franchise, and then Nine happened. I'm like, man, fuck this franchise. I don't give a shit no more. <laughs> fuck the family. Because, oh, man, and part of it's because of what you're saying. You yeah. know what I mean? You buy it in this movie. You don't buy that shit in those movies. And that's what that that's what that franchise is built around the whole idea of the family and this and that like it's built around that. So when you lose it or you don't have it, you're just like, oh, okay. It's just that's how thin the shell is. Yeah, it just feels so like you said, thin, paper thin in that movie. But here, man, you got the sense that man, that there's you know sometimes you're you're like. Man, I understand why this character wants to fight. But surprisingly in this, I was like, huh, I can see why he wouldn't want to fight. You know? You know, he's got it pretty good over here, man. These are good people. These are people I like. I mean, I understand, you know, why he's not so quick to make this decision. And then, of course, just his apprehension with the whole thing and the history with Dame and everything. But still... They did such a good job with all those dynamics that you were like, all right, I can see the crossroads that Creed's has, that Creed has. The the scenes where there, there needed to be heartfelt conversations and talks, again, just effective acting and chemistry with all of these people, man. The, the, they just nailed all of those things. So even though I know what's going to happen, I know that Jonathan Majors is not going to beat, you know, I know Dame is not going to beat Creed. I know. I know that probably at the end of that, this isn't a fight to the death. We don't have swords or anything like that. So there's got to be a winner and a loser. And surely in the end, they will be friends. I knew that was going to happen. I knew all of that was going to happen. Hey, you can't say that. Just ask Adonis how his dad, what happened to his dad. You can't say that completely. (laughs) Well, yeah, you got a point there, I guess, right? <laughs> but um, I mean, Drago didn't have a sword, but Apollo still ended up dead, just saying. I mean, you're right. You're right. You, that is true. Somebody did wind up dead. But, like, even though those things happened, 
they were still effective scenes. When he went to the locker room and him and Dame just sat there and just sort of hashed it out and talked about it. It was great, man. Like, the, you know, at any given point, those scenes, you could have just been rolling your eyes and be like, oh, this melodramatic, uh, I'm not, you know, these corny, oh, we have feeling scenes. But they're just all so effective in this movie. Yeah. That they just hit. The, just every one of them hit. They And they didn't overstay their welcome. They weren't overly dramatic with the dialogue. Just enough was said for you to get it. And just and the acting was done well enough for it to be impactful. And then we cut to something else. You know, it, it was just enough. Nothing overstayed its welcome. And the movie has what, an over two hour running time? No, I'm sorry. 155, right? Something like that. Yeah, just under two hours. Yeah, just under two hours. And it was like perfect, bro. I never felt that the movie dragged. I never felt that there was a part where I was like, I'm not enjoying this. Like, it, it, it just, all of that stuff was good. The music selection, I didn't recognize every artist, but I really enjoyed a lot of the music in this. Like, uh, really, the Creed trilogy ought to just have soundtrack a sound. They ought to. Great. They just ought to have a soundtrack for all of it. Cause, yeah, like a playlist I mean, or something. Yeah, the Creed trilogy has a pretty fire soundtrack. Um, yeah, but you know, just uh, so like, I mean, I, I guess to put it in a cliche way, mostly all the punches land, man. That <laughs> that's what it is. Like. The, the, you know, it, it swings a lot, but most of the punches land, man. Most of the punches hit the target and there I just aren't a lot there. of, yep. You see what I did there? And there just aren't a lot of misses. There aren't a lot of whiffs with, with what this movie was targeting and what it was trying to do. And I, I think for that, it, it definitely deserves praise and it definitely deserves people to go watch it. I didn't check the box office on this, but I, I heard it did reasonably well. It was number it's one opening weekend. weekend. Okay, that's good. That's I don't, good. I don't that remember. Makes sense. I don't remember what its exact number was, but it was number one of the weekend. I know that. Well, okay. Well, well, that's good. That's good. And I think for a directorial debut, Michael Michael B. Jordan just did such an incredible job with this, and you yeah. do. And the last thing I'll say, just kind of talking about Rocky, I mean, the closest thing they did, well, well they kind of mentioned him whenever him and Dame are talking about Dame getting a title shot. But the only other homage to him or sort of thing that they did with him was when Creed was just before the final fight, when they're both kind of, I don't want to say back, I don't think backstage is the word, the locker rooms, I guess you could say. Um, before he comes out for his fight, he's repeating something to himself. And he says, you know, I think it was like one punch at a time, one step at a time, one round at a time. Rocky taught him that. That was a big thing in the first Rocky movie. So, you know, it sucks that's about all of Rocky we got, but... I did like at least that touch, you know, just kind of showing well, that he's still applying Rocky's teachings. 
Yeah, that was the mantra that they used all throughout the first and second Creed movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. So I'm glad that that was at least there. But yeah, it would have been nice to have gotten uh, Rocky in that somehow. But if Rocky is not in any of the other movies, I will say this. In the second movie, he had a damn good send-off. Yeah, I mean, if that's going to be the send-off, you know, him standing ringside and telling Creed, it's your time now, and him going to, you know, be with the family that he has left, if that's the send-off for the character, you know, I'm kind of okay with that too. So, Same. You know. Um, just a couple of things. Uh, the actress that played the daughter is deaf. Okay. okay. For sure. I looked it up. Um, one of the Wonderful things, job. To, to touch on one little thing that you said, uh, yeah, if I was married to Tessa Thompson too, I wouldn't want to get punched in the face either. Uh, <laughs> and especially based after, you know, the Ant-Man episode where we kept using small puns. Uh, I expect in the cre- or in the Scream episode, you better bring up screaming a lot after you did the okay. punch <laughs> metaphor here. Okay. Uh, Heather, what about we you? We would do it. An interesting thing, um, too, really quick about when we were talking about the soundtrack, um, I recently found out that uh, Tessa Thompson actually was singing in the, is it the second film that she was singing in? First and second. The Well, yeah, I guess both of them. And she did actually help write the songs for the movie. So I think that's pretty cool. Oh, that's tight. Yeah. Um, I really do agree about the, the family side of Adonis. And I think that was really well done in this movie. And I, I loved those, those scenes and those moments with the family. It was very endearing and, especially like in the second movie, just how I I remember the scene where like, he's so worried about, you know, she's going to be okay and all these things when she's born and just how he's just embraced the fact that, okay, well she, she can't hear, but you know, that's okay. Like our basically just being, like learning the sign language and and using that in his everyday life and also i love the fact that even in uh, at the beginning in the match that he's in uh Tessa Thompson can like sign to him and he understands it like they can kind of communicate with each other even if they're not near each other and like i just i loved that they did that i thought that was kind of cute that they were able to do that but um i just yeah i think this the the family dynamic was great the chemistry between Tessa Thompson and Michael B. Jordan, it's always been so good. So um, I just kind of love seeing more of it here and, and just seeing like how they're, you know, they're this married up couple now with this daughter and they're just still like so in love. You know, it's just really kind of a, a cool thing to see how they, um, you know, did that. My only thing with it, though, is like. And it could just, maybe the the movie timeline is different, but I just imagined that their daughter would not be that old yet. That was my only thing with it. I imagined that she would be a little bit younger than that. Because, I mean, in the movie, she's 
I don't know if they said what grade she was in, but she looked like she was probably like seven years old, six, six or seven. The actress but is 10. The actress is 10. Okay. You know, and she just, I mean, she was obviously very mature and everything too, but I just did not expect that their daughter would be that old yet in, in current times. So that was my only thing with it. But again, you know, maybe the timeline or the time frame in between some of these movies isn't necessarily clear. So it could be, but that was, that was just kind of my only like confusion of like, man, she's actually like their daughter's that old already. Like is what my first thought was between this movie and the last movie. I was like, it was only what, like, I don't know, four years. I don't know how long it was. Not that long, (laughs) but yeah, that was my only thing with that. Um, but it didn't bother me really. It it was just more of like a, Oh, am I off with my math with it? But, um, I, I thought she was great. So, you know, doesn't matter because she, she was excellent and I would not have changed anything about her, her role in this. I think she was great, but yeah, I think that, um, the, the, the Rocky hole, I understand like the, they definitely, it is it is quite a bummer um that you know he's not in this one but i i do agree i think that they kind of addressed it or handled it in this movie the best way that they could have and i honestly thought it was going to be one of those like kind of like what you said like he was sent off so well in the last movie that they were just going to be like oh yeah like he went and he kind of reconnected with his son and he decided to move up there be closer to them I thought they were going to kind of make some kind of a comment or a line about that in this to kind of at least close off why he's not here. Uh, But they didn't need to do it because you still kind of felt his presence in those moments when they sort of reference him. So he's still, he's still kind of there, even though he's not there. Um, But yeah, that, that definitely would have been an interesting dynamic and to sort of see him like giving his wisdom to Adonis as far as, coaching and mentoring uh dame you know it would have been an interesting thing to see how they did that but um alas that's not the movie we got but it's fine because this movie was great i really did enjoy this movie um but i i i do think that the the scene that you referenced sterling i mean the final the final fight um I agree. I was like, when they started doing it where the audience was fading away, I didn't know initially what to make of that. But then again, yeah, I sort of was gathering the same thing about like, this is about them. This is about their thing. Like, that's what matters. And that's why I was like, it's actually really cool how they're shooting this. And, um, and I, I kind of like the time lapse they did with it too, because we're just seeing all this intense fighting between them and then it cuts back to where the crowd is and they're like round 12 (laughs) you know so it just kind of felt like that that's that was kind of cool how they did that because you know we're so engaged in this this moment between them that it, it was just kind of a cool to be like man we were so into that that we didn't even realize how long this has been going and I think we're supposed to feel that with them because that's probably what their mindset was I think that was a really cool way to do that and I also liked the whole um like the 
I don't know what you really call boxing uniforms or whatever they are, <laughs> but like the black versus the white was really cool in that fight too. I thought that was a Those really nice trunks. touch. Trunks. Yes. Just the, the boxing trunks um, and gloves. I, I thought they were, that was a really cool like contrast and cool imagery that they did in, in it as well. I thought that looked really cool. Um agree yeah again about the soundtrack and the entrances sterling you're so right like those entrances like they did hype me up (laughs) they were so good i was like man this is about to be a really good fight so they just they did a great job of really engaging you in this world this this world of adonis and everything around him and i i just i was invested you know and um yeah, the moments when they are supposed to be sincere and having these real conversations, every time they did it, it just felt very human. Everything they did felt very human. And that is that is how you do good storytelling, even though it's about, you know, boxing or whatever you want to say. It has a great story and it's great storytelling because of things like that. I mean, with a lesser movie that could have been extremely terrible, cheesy moments, (laughs) but because of the chemistry and the delivery of these, of these lines and the, the real connection you feel that they have to what they're talking about with each other in the dialogue. It's just so well done. Um, You know, and then the moment when he's in there with his mom, when she's about to die, that was heartbreaking. Like he, this is why Michael B. Jordan is definitely up there on that list that we were talking about. Like he's, he is excellent. He's so, so good. Um, and then I, I think that, yeah, Jonathan Majors is, he's a force. He is just a force. He's, he's got this presence about him that you're, you're just in right away. Kind of like what we've talked about, but the, yeah, his, his portrayal of Dame is so because, you know, when we first meet him, he, he, it feels like you're just seeing all of his emotions. He's, he's going back to see Adonis for the first time. And you feel like, is he going to be mad? Is he going to be angry? What is he going to do when he first talks to him? And then he's just, it's almost like he, he has this humility about him um, when they're sitting and they have a meal together and he's talking to him he has like this humility about him and then he meets the family and he's like, Oh, this is really cool. Like you feel like it's just going to really be a good vibe and energy between them. And then suddenly he's like, cool, but I'm here because I have a mission. I have a mission to do this thing and I'm going to do it. And I, I need you to help me do it. And that was the only thing that he was focused on the entire rest of the film. And you felt that because he was so determined and he was so relentless and definitely a wild card and i i liked the moment when wood harris's character duke i think is his name was uh you know trying to say like i don't like this he's mad at the world uh he wants to fight the world and that's bad for the boxing match and i don't think that he should do it and i loved that wisdom that he threw in there because adonis was like should i let him should i not let him And I really just appreciate that he put that line. He's like, he wants to fight the world. He's mad at the world and this is not going to go well. So it was just a really 
small thing that you didn't need to make a bigger deal than that. You didn't need to say more, but it set the tone of really what does happen in this movie. So I I thought that was really a great sense of foreshadowing here and just sort of reading the uh, reading Dame's character and being like it from the start, I knew that this is how it was going to be with him. So, but then I also think that Dame had this, this way about him where he knew Adonis was going to feel bad for what had happened. And he, as much as he was like playing the humble part and like anything you could do to help, that'd be great. You know, I'm going to do what it takes. He also knew the card to play to like get what he wanted from Adonis. And just the way that he plays that fine line of you're my friend, we go way back, but also I'm using you because I'm angry and I lost time and I want to be this person. So it was just a very fine, fine line to toe that he did so perfectly because it just felt so very real. But yeah, um, I, I, I can't really ever say enough good things about Jonathan Majors, um, but I, I would definitely love to see more movies with the two of them together because I think they were great together. So yeah, I overall just there there's it, it is more nitpicky things really when you think about it to pick apart with this film. But um kind of like what Sterling said at the beginning, it's like none of the flaws of this movie are enough to take you out of realizing the the whole of how good the film is. So yeah. Okay, so now to the behind-the-scenes drama. Yes. So, essentially what it boils down to is a producer, uh, Erwin uh, Winkler. Uh, He was a producer back on the original first Rocky movie. He was a producer on all these movies and a bunch of others. Um, And so... What it kind of comes down to is the deal that Stallone had to make for the original Rocky. Um, While he does get credit for being, you know, the writer and director and creating the characters in the Rocky franchise, he does not own any of it. So uh, that's why Stallone, even though he's not in it and he was mad they were making it without him and all this other stuff, is still a producer on this movie. He still gets yeah, a cut. Yeah, I saw his name. <laughs> um, but essentially, Erwin uh, Winkler was just like, nah, we're doing this without him. Wow. We can, so we will. And kind of just cut him out. Um, Sylvester Stallone's even said that if Michael B. Jordan wants to come back and do a Creed Four. He'll do it. He's got no problems with with Michael. His issues are with Erwin Winkler. And also his two sons, because they're also producers on all this shit. But yeah, that's what the issue is. Because also he's got issues with Dolph Lundgren. Because apparently, like I said, Peacock is doing a Drago series about the son and uh, Ivan. And uh, once again... Sylvester Stallone has nothing to do with it. And so in doing so, uh, yeah. So 
I know Sly was kind of mad that Dolph Lundgren and you know agreed to go do that and all this shit. And it's 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 bullshit like that in the background, you know. But yeah, the issues all boil down to this one guy being like, "Nah, we can do it, so we will." And like I said, have nothing to do with him. But you know, either way, like I said. Sylvester Stallone, I think, is going to be a producer on that Drago series, too. He gets the creative credit for that shit. Because I think he's the one that came up with Ivan Drago. I think he's the writer on it. So. uh, Or at least he was a a writer on Rocky IV, I believe, and that's why. But still. uh, Yeah, that's kind of where all that comes from. uh, With that stuff. And why there's kind of this this heat, if you will, in the background of this movie all has to do with that. That is unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. That just really sucks, man. That all that's happening. You can tell that Stallone is hurt by that because he's talked about that in several interviews. He's been very vocal about it. And, you know, I'm sure that hurts. Especially because you created right. a character. You, you know, that's the character that he took. I mean, he put all his eggs in that basket. And that's sort of how he became a Hollywood name. So, you know, that means a lot to him. That was the first character he created and took a chance on and sort of led to his stardom. So, you know, you hope that somewhere down the road that can resolve itself, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, like a lot of people don't realize that like Stallone wrote and directed the first Rocky movie. Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't realize that. And one reason why like I know Stallone was okay with the first Creed movie is my understanding is that Ryan Coogler like went up to him and was like, hey, or like, you know, reached out to him. Was like, hey, I've got this idea. Because Coogler and one of his partners wrote it, you know, but they reached out to him and were like, hey, we've got this idea. Are you, you know, are you down? And he was like, yeah, sounds great. You know, and same with Creed 2. Stallone was also a writer on it. Mm. Like a lot of people don't realize Stallone, especially with the Rocky franchise has been kind of a linchpin of this franchise as a writer and director of so many of those movies. Yeah. Like even when he didn't, you know, direct it or maybe wasn't the full writer, he's at least the one coming up with the story and someone else is the screenwriter for it. You know, something, something I will say about the, the Rocky movies, like, Obviously, there's enough to where this is more possible, but I think that Rocky might be one of the best fleshed out just fictional characters in a movie. <laughs> like from beginning to end in like all of these movies he's in, you just see this like really great progression of him as a character. And yeah, you have five, six, however many six plus movies where you can do that. But there are other franchises where they're, they don't have such a, fleshed out profound like character development so i will say that about the rocky movies for sure 
Yeah, that that's really the thing that I love about that that series of movies. Yeah, they're not all good, great, and uh, definitely there are some better than others, but I do love the fact that you get to see, you know, he starts off as a down-on-his-luck boxer who's working full-time at a meat factory, and it really was a rags to riches to rags to 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 you know, not being able to box anymore and then coming out of retirement. Like, there's a lot going on with Rocky. You know, losing his wife and all of that and then battling cancer. Like, when you look at that character just from over the course of the movies, yeah, he might be one of the greatest characters. Well, he is one of the greatest characters of all time. The dude has a statue in Philly and he's not a real (laughs) boxer. (laughs) <laughs> so i mean <laughs> he yeah. is so yeah um correction though i was slightly wrong he did not direct the first one he did write it though but he did direct like <laughs> two three and four uh five oddly enough was directed by the guy that did uh directed the first one also directed the karate kid um mm-hmm. but yeah there's little things like that like that people don't realize. And that could kind of lean into what you guys were saying is that the reason why Rocky feels so fleshed out is kind of because one guy has essentially been writing and directing for the most part, not all of them, but directing for the most part and playing that same character for almost all of his, you know, life. As a character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it that's really something has. that a lot of characters don't get to say. That through, you know, what, eight movies, in a lot of ways, he was written and, and played by almost the same guy through eight movies in yep. some way, shape, or form. And directed yeah. by the same guy in most of those movies, too. I think in at least four, like four out of those eight he directed also, you know, so it's the same kind of situation like that, uh, that, that a lot of characters don't get that kind of adds to why he's so fleshed out. But it's also weird too. Cause like Sylvester Stallone's kind of done the same thing with Rambo and <laughs> Rambo is nowhere near as fleshed out. Uh, but he didn't create Rambo. Rambo comes from a book, at least with Rocky. It comes from him. Yeah. You know. That's his baby, man. And it, and, and it probably is, acting-wise, that is probably the best character he's ever portrayed or played or anything. You know, like, I mean, I know people rave about his performance in that, what, the Copland movie? I think that was a movie where he got fat and, you know, it, like, people really liked that performance. But, dude, his performance in Creed, the first Creed, with when he had the talk and found out he had cancer and he was talking about his wife and then just all the back and forth with that. Like, I don't know if Stallone has ever portrayed a character as well as the Rocky character. Like, some of his best acting has been as Rocky. You know what I mean? And, like, he's done so many other, like, 
memorable roles and iconic roles, but for some reason, like his baby is that. So you just want that to end well. You know what I mean? You you, you don't ever want the Rocky yeah. thing. It, whenever that's time for that to be like over, over, you want that to end the best way possible, man. Like, Did he ever win an Oscar or no for that role? He got nominated for Creed. Yeah. Oh, did he? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but another thing I think that you guys haven't brought up yet that kind of makes the Creed movies, I think, a notch above the Rocky movies, other than, you know, some obvious things like Rocky 3, Rocky 5, Rocky 6, all being terrible <laughs> movies, um, <laughs> is also that there's like 100% less rape in the Creed franchise. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. There was no locking <laughs> any doors on Tessa Thompson. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Tessa, Tessa Thompson would have kicked his ass. Yeah, right? probably so. She often just had the door locked and he had to knock politely and get in, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There was none of that. That's a good point. I mean, I think that that's a big factor in a lot of this. Is there's also just no rape, um, but one thing I'll say, Justin, that I, I I don't know if you're being fair to Sylvester Stallone when you're talking about like his writing and directing and all those types of things. I mean, he also directed the sequel to Saturday Night Fever. A lot of people uh, don't know this. Uh, uh, it's a terrible movie called Staying Alive, where. Uh, What's his name? Uh, John Travolta's Tony decides to leave the world of disco behind to just become a Broadway ballet dancer and somehow be successful at it, even though he's never danced like that before ever. Mm. And a lot of people don't realize that uh, Sly Stallone directed that movie. Hmm. Why would you cause me physical pain like that? (laughs) Did you know that he also wrote... uh, over the top. Oh man, that was what a fantastic movie that is. What is that? You want you want, You've never seen Sylvester Stallone's arm wrestling epic? Oh that. Oh where he, yeah. Where that. he had to save his child through yeah. arm wrestling? People yeah, don't understand were... that Sylvester Stallone might be the best writer slash director ever when it comes to <laughs> writing stakes into a movie. He rescued his son through arm wrestling. He ended communism through a boxing match. He defeated yep. all drug cartels by being a racist. He swings for the fence. He does. He has he really does the best outcomes ever by doing the most mundane of things. Yep. He beat cancer because his boxer, his boxer buddy said, well, if I'm going to fight the guy, you got to fight cancer. So what did he stakes, do? man. Beat that cancer. He beat it. <laughs> hey, all I know is in Creed 2 and Creed 3, did he have cancer? I mean, we don't really know in Creed 3, but I'm just saying. I didn't also hear that Rocky had cancer, so just saying. Okay. True. Down for the count. God, so, I really wish. I don't know how we got to over the top. 
and staying alive, but I hate you for it. <laughs> Why, Justin? I'm just talking about some of the other films that Sylvester Stallone has either written or directed. Sterling, there was a contract in over the top, and he was red, and he went, oh, no, if I don't win this arm wrestling match, I lose my son. It was a piece of paper. You know what I call that, <laughs> Justin? Stakes. I hate you. I was riveted. I'm like, fuck, he might lose his son. It's written on a piece of paper. <laughs> and he was oh. he was losing that arm wrestling match, too. He was losing it. Big time. And then what did he do, Justin? Went over the top. But he trained every day, man. He had in his uh, 18-wheeler truck, he had that little armband, you know. He was sitting there, huh, 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 huh. You know, he was training every day. So, Wasn't at one point, wasn't he lifting a car engine with it too? Yeah. Something like that. God, that movie mm-hmm. fucking sucks so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't the tr- did he drive that truck through a mansion? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> Why are we talking about this? <laughs> I hate you. You're going to make uh, me go, to, go go watch it. <laughs> you got to watch Staying Alive first. Oh, uh, God. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> hey, he's even in that movie. A lot of people don't realize it. They walk by him on the street and he's like dressed like a pimp. Solid. Did, I know way too much about the movie Staying Alive. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I've and seen that probably me. more times than I probably should have. I've seen really? that movie probably more times than John Travolta has. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it, it was such a shame because Saturday Night Live is so good. Saturday Night Fever. Uh, fever, sorry. I might Saturday have said Night Saturday Night Live, Night Live is... too. I don't remember, but yeah. yes. It is so good with the exception of the rape scene. Something mm. about the 70s. They just loved throwing a rape scene in a movie. Yeah, what was with that? Rocky be raping, Tony be raping, everybody just be raping in the 70s. Except for Jaws. Go Jaws. <laughs> yeah. More reason to love that film. Yeah. Zero rapes in that movie. That's true. There was no raping in that. And 100% more sharks. That's yeah. true. And what ultimately led to the greatest shark ever, a voodoo shark. You know? And to be fair, and to be fair, I think all shark movies don't involve any rapes. I'm pretty sure. Don't say that. I guarantee I can find at least one shark movie that has a rape in it. I don't think you can. I think I'm right about this. I really think I'm right about this. If they can make one about a tree that does it, they can make one about a shark that does it. As terrible <laughs> as it may sound, Justin, challenge accepted. Okay. By next week's episode, I will have found the shark movie that has a rape in it. <laughs> and it's going to start with me Googling it. every shark movie ever. <laughs> mm. I hope you don't find it. 
I really hope I'm right about I need to be right about this. I need to be right. <laughs> Just saying. I mean, Heather's right. I mean, the Evil Dead movie has a tree rape. Yeah, so. that was something to see. Yep. That is correct. So, could be wrong, but I think I'm right, Sterling. I, I, all of them. Sharknados, all of them. No, none of them have rape. <laughs> No. And to be fair, it doesn't necessarily have to be the shark doing it, I guess. Well, but no, de- definitely just... the shark doesn't have to do it. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, the shark doesn't have to. Somewhere in act. a shark movie, right. it's going to. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Okay. I guarantee I'm going to find it. I don't think you will, man. Man, there has been some shitty ass fucking movie somewhere that's got it. I guarantee you there's something. The 60s and the 70s and the 80s were a crazy time, Justin. Who knows? Maybe one of the Sharknado movies. Well, you've seen all those, so you would probably know. I don't remember any rape in the Sharknado movies. Well, that's that's good. But you got to understand, like, what we're talking about when we talk about the field of shark movies. There are tons of shark movies. Because, like, what? You got... You 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 got the Jawses, of course. You got what the Megalodon or whatever. You've Wasn't got the that Megalodon? Blue sea. Yeah, the yep. Deep Blue Seas. Deep Blue Seas. I'm trying to remember. I've seen all three of the Deep Blue Seas. I don't remember any rape scenes in those. I weirdly enough own all of those. Which I'm not gonna lie, that franchise has such diminishing returns. I, I loved the first one, including the the hit LL Cool J song. Mad is like a shark fan. <laughs> Deepest there blues. Was, I can't remember. The, I want to say there was like a, I don't know, like maybe five years ago, there was like a horror movie, shark movie. I, won't, I don't know if it's called like Shark Night or I don't remember what it's called, but. I'll find it. I'm just yeah. saying my the next thing I'm doing. Is Googling every shark movie ever. I'm just going to go on IMDb and type shark. And then I'm going to start going through them. You got to tell me the number of shark movies that there actually are. If that, I will. If you find that somewhere. I need to know the exact number because I just, in my head, I feel like it's tons of movies. And then there are these movies where like, it was about a shark in the water. Like, what was that movie? Oh, man, I'm drawing a blank. It, I want to say it was early 2000s. And a woman, it was like a boat was destroyed, right? And this woman is on the sea. Like, the whole thing takes place. And the woman is, in the, is, is like, hanging on to this. Are you talking about open inter- water? Is that, is that, was, wasn't a shark Blake in Lively? that? Blake Lively? Well, yeah, I think so. There, there's Blake Lively that was, like, 88 meters or something. But, no, there's. That was Mandy Moore, but, yeah. Whatever, or something like that. No, but that's was, a shark movie, isn't it? There is one about sharks. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but um, I I thought it was. But I think the time frame you're talking about, Justin, was open water, where it's like two people get left when they're scuba diving, and yes, and then ultimately the sharks come. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. Open water. Yeah, it was two people. Yeah. And then so, like dude, open water two. They're all in like a yacht and they all act like the ramp of the yacht goes up and they're like, oh no, we're stuck. And they just never get up and they all die or whatever. 
something like that. I'll find it though. I'll find the movie. The Shallows is the Blake Lively one. That's which it I remember too. the name of it. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You guys got any more thoughts about this Creed three? Quit going off <laughs> no, on tangents about sharks yeah. and no, arm wrestling. Sharks. No, we're good. So on that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com or Facebook where we're Cinema Slayers podcast or Twitter and Instagram where we're Cinema underscore Slayers or Cinema Slayers pod on TikTok or at Cinema Slayers pod on YouTube. Uh, shout out to Plug Migo and Mundo Cho for your our theme song and logos respectively. Uh, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends, family, tell your family's friends. And most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because dear sweet mothers love Jordan and majors. It's fair. More specifically them shirtless. Correct. Cause yes. like you said, Heather, there's like 88 abs between them. <laughs> yes. Uh, and most of all, just remember, as I end every TikTok, every YouTube video, every podcast, according to Justin, Moon Knight is a Best Picture winner. You know, most of the time we land our punches, but, the t- but today, <laughs> tonight with that shark tangent, we were just punching all over the place. <laughs> Slayers. That we were, Justin. Sometimes hey, I wonder, how in the world did we get on raping and sharks? What? How? Because we were talking about how <laughs> rape was so prevalent in the 1970s films. And Jaws came out in the 70s. But still, it's just so funny, like, how we landed on that. The tangent. Yes. I mean, yes. to me, that just that 100% tracks. <laughs> I see it's point A to point B to C to D. Not B. Not at all. We went from a boxing movie to somehow there's a shark movie I'm right. <laughs> yeah, that's F. We're just right there. <laughs> just all in a line. I'll find it. No, you won't. You can't. Please don't have Justin, it. I am off for the rest of this week. I will fucking find it. <laughs> Please, Cinema. Come on. Cinema often lets me down, but this is the one thing that I need Cinema to come through on. All of Cinema to come through on. Justin, you were talking about the movie industry. <laughs> we just got done talking about two quote-unquote classic movies that just love their rape scenes. And you think some B-listing or, like, fucking D-listing piece of shit movie ain't gonna do that? Come on, Justin. You have too much faith in these scumbags that direct this shit. Come on. Surely there's some unwritten honor code that says you just can't do that. You can't have sharks in a movie and then have a rape. Man, the director of Jeepers Creepers and Jeepers Creepers 2 has been convicted of rape of children. And he still was able to come back and do a Jeepers Creepers 3. 
And you're really having faith in that industry. Wow. That's disgusting. Yeah. Exactly. That's the industry you're putting your faith in, Justin. Yikes. Yeah. Well, way to make me feel about this big. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Hollywood's full of bunch of pieces of shit. That's why I've got all the faith in the world. I'm going to find it. (laughs) They just suck so bad sometimes. For every time you get like a Creed 3 made with like people that aren't pieces of shit, you get 97,000 other movies made by pieces of shit. Starring pieces of shit. <laughs> Written and directed and produced by pieces of shit. I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is enough of that topic until next week. Yes. Can't believe you took us there, Justin. Yeah. See, now it's making me allergic. I'm allergic to all of this. You know, there, the there's worse things to be allergic failures to. of cinema. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right, I'm out of here.